Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Hello and welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 8, season 20. I hope you are all keeping well and safe. Um, this episode is probably not what I was planning on doing, um, although the irony is the person who's going to be in it was was planned very much for for these lockdown episodes that we've been doing as we've been calling them. Um, those of you probably aware of, 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 sadly, Martin Holmes passed away um, a few days ago now as, as we record this, and um, Martin was very much going to be part of the lockdown episodes. And um, he had done a book which was called The Great British Rally um, by himself and with, with Graham Robson as well. And it's been, you know, his work for the last couple of years, he's been putting it together and it's it's such a, a vast book. But we kind of had an agreement when he sent it to me. He was like, okay, yeah, we'll come on, but, you know, you've got to, we want to talk about that. I said, listen, you know, of course we'll talk about the book. We'll go through the book and stuff. But the book was so vast. I've been kind of working my way through it and really sad to say I didn't get to the end um, in time where I thought it was the right time to to talk to him about it. I genuinely didn't think, I knew Martin hadn't been well, but I didn't quite realise, I suppose, even though it's somebody I spoke to on a, on a reasonably regular basis that, um, you know, uh, things were, were quite as, as bad as what they were. And, and you know, I, I feel awful, to be honest with you, that I didn't finish the book in time for him to be part of, of these episodes. And, um, yeah, it makes me very, very sad to think that I've not managed to do that because he became such a, a, a big part of, of some of the conversations I've had with lots of people about rallying since we started doing these podcasts, to be honest. Um, Martin obviously appeared irregularly regular um, over the last four four years or so. And um, he was just fascinating. Somebody I just genuinely found fascinating. And he came from an era of reporting where he was not part of the story. He told the story. He only worked in facts. He didn't work in if buts and maybes he, he very much worked in facts and um you know most people wandering around the service park you know your general public wouldn't have known who he was he was just a man with a small camera who'd click a picture and 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 move on and, and you know he was very much um uh, on the low key if you, i suppose is the best way of describing it if as somebody who who really didn't capture or, or didn't seek any attention he just wanted to to, to, to talk rallying and, and wanted to do it in, in his way and, and you know reported for, for various publications all over the world for, for, for many many years and um, when you managed to kind of get to know him a little bit as I've been fortunate enough to do over the last few years the conversations were, were, were yes they were always to the point with Martin and that's the best way I can describe it you know a couple of people when he first started doing the podcast pointed out you know he, he seemed a bit a bit abrupt or asked no 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 that's that that's just martin he, he you know he, he's very he's very economic in some ways with his words when he speaks to you because you, when he speaks you listen i don't know whether it's the old co-driver in him where you know he cuts away all the all the fat and all the faff and he just gets to the point i don't know and the irony behind that is this book that he's wrote he's got so much i'm not saying there's fat in it but it's such a vast book 
um, and covers such a, you know, an amazing array of, 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 of you know, uh, 75 years of, of what we now know is, is, is obviously Wales Rally GB. It covers 75 years and there is so much to it and it is a fantastic book. Um, I still haven't finished it, which is what I've just been saying, which saddens me because the whole idea was, is we were going to probably finish these, the, the, these episodes with, with Martin, um, towards the end of it. And, um, that's not going to happen now. That's not going to happen. And, um, it really, really does make me sad. What I've decided to do is I went back through the archives a little bit and, and to find the first time Martin actually came on the podcast to record, um, reiterating the point I made before, he 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 wasn't entirely comfortable with the idea of 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 of, of I suppose hearing whether it's hearing his own voice or whatever it may be, but he didn't garner publicity. He didn't kind of he didn't really wasn't fussed about people knowing who he was as long as the story got out. I suppose and, and you know the story was factually correct and and everything else. So it took a little bit of persuasion to kind of get him to come on the podcast in the first place, and. Um, it, uh, it, there was a few conversations before and then he kind of got it and, uh, and I'm so glad he did. Um, the first piece we did with him was actually probably one of the more difficult ones because again, he didn't really feel comfortable talking about himself and I wanted to talk about his career, um, with regards to competition and the people who he sat with and everything else. And, you know, how the journey was for him to get to, you know, to, to where he was, you know, he would have been, you know, mid seventies then, you know, he, he, he's, he, he celebrated his 80th birthday only a couple of months ago now. And, and, you know, this was back in 2016 in the November. And, um, you know, I very much had this whole idea. I wanted to kind of talk about his career and, 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 and go through it and, but Martin really wasn't that interested in talking about himself. Um, and, you know, whenever we did anything on the podcast, we always had to have a reason for doing it. You know, he wouldn't just come on and talk. You know, we, we, what are we going to do? What is, what are we trying to, 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 to cover here? What are we trying to achieve? Um, and yeah, it was, it was, you know, as I say, the work before and the work after um, to, when we put the podcast out with Martin and we're always a lot more, a lot more interesting in many ways because the conversations always continued way beyond what went on on the podcast. And he was somebody who would quite happily let me just ask questions about stuff, you know, as, as left field as what, uh, I could probably ask most of the time. And, you know, he, he always had something to offer, um, with regards to a story and, and not necessarily just in rallying, you know, he, he took great pleasure in telling me about coming up to, to, to see the British Grand Prix when it was at Aintree, uh, of course, in Liverpool, my, my home city, and, and, you know, telling me stuff about that as well and, you know, stuff I didn't know about about that and my city and everything else. And it's just, it just this font of knowledge. Um, and I'll miss him. I really will. Um, he's somebody who I've only got to know, as I say, over the last four or five years. And, um, you know, I had it. Obviously, like us all, I had his books and everything else, and I found it a real privilege and an honour as somebody that I could pick up the phone to and, and, and talk rallying with because, he, you know, he was one of those people that, you know, normally when he spoke or when he wrote something, people would listen. And, um, yeah, he. this was the only way I could get him in the lockdown episodes, I suppose, but this 
particular pieces, it's probably going to be a little bit shorter than normal because, as I say, I, I kind of took away some of the bits and pieces at the end where we were talking about what was going on in rallying at that point because he wanted to get to what was relevant at that point. He didn't feel his time was was, was relevant to the podcast today and or, or indeed back in, in, in 2016, which was which was kind of against why I wanted to get him on. I really wanted to talk about, you know, what behind Martin Holmes really, and as I say, his time. But um, so we we, we kind of had half an hour, 35 minutes. He, 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 I suppose he, he indulged me a little bit at times, um, and but very quickly wanted to get back to modern day, as it were. So the stuff, the modern day stuff we, we is where probably we, we ended um, this particular chat, or rather it was remained part of that podcast, but it won't be part of this one because I, I think, in, in in true form or true class, we we should celebrate Martin's time um, of his competition career and also how he got involved in in some of the media side. It doesn't really scratch the surface, and I actually say that um, in this piece as well. So um, so yeah, um, if you didn't hear it back in 2016, if you have been a new listener to us, um, welcome. Um, I do appreciate you you joining us during these crazy times and of course as well during this really really kind of sad time for rallying around the world of you know somebody that everybody in rallying knew so it's uh yeah there you go there you go i've got no more words other than the fact that i say sit back relax and enjoy um the word legend is is so lazily kind of used at times you know if somebody comes back from the in the pub with a packet of crisps they call the legend these days i say that flippantly obviously but in this case to me martin holmes was 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 a legend of of, of coverage of rallying and, and he will be solely missed um in the world of rallying and it's 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 a slightly poorer place for it without him so sit back relax and enjoy our chat albeit briefly about martin holmes's career this is Absolute Rally. Welcome back to Absolute Rally. And it's 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 great to have somebody on that. I've, I've wanted to get on the show for, for such a long time. And uh, to, uh, I'll, I'll do this as respectfully as I can, but somewhat an elder statesman of coverage as far as I'm concerned when it comes to the World Rally Championship and championships around the world. Martin Holmes, thank you and welcome to Absolute Rally. Oh, welcome to be here. Tell me what I can do to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great to have you on. Um, you know, I, I guess for all of us, uh, you know, my, my first initial involvement of, of certainly being aware of yourself was obviously the the, the fantastic um, World Rally annuals. Um, you know, obviously mm-hmm. which. I, I, I've still got some at home. I think we all still refer to them. Um, uh, we'll, we'll start there and we'll kind of work backwards and then I suppose we'll come back to present day to some degree. But the annuals, how did how did putting together those annuals first come about? Well, <clears throat> it started really at the end of the 70s and it became clear that the World Championship, uh, which started in 73, uh, was becoming a permanent part of the sport. And as such, it was obviously necessary to find some way of recording what was happening so that people in the future would know what it had been like. Um, 79, um, we published the first book, which covered the 78 season. And before then, really, there was only one annual book about rallying, uh, dedicated to rallying, and that had been published in France. 
And so we had quite an open door for development. And um, after a year or two, Rothmans came on board and they did a lot to to encourage the book. And uh, um, I think it was four years we had working with them. And um, then, of course, we had other people following on from there. I was just about to say, I, I, you know, in, in my time of being involved with, with certain tie manufacturers, I remember getting one given to me by a tie manufacturer that I'd been working with that year. And uh, I felt very lucky to have one of these books. Um, it was my first kind of real introduction. I'd, 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 had, I'd read other people's and I'd seen them in other places, but to have one of my own, which I still have, by the way, uh, which is still in my mum's house uh, on a book, in a bookcase there, I felt very, very lucky to have. And it was so comprehensive as well, because not only did you cover the World Rally Championship, of course, you also covered a lot of the UK championships. And the European Championship. Yeah, of course. And the other regional championships, yeah. yes. And, and how do you go about gathering that level of information, Martin? Well, <coughs> I used to go to, <coughs> excuse me, I used to go to a lot of rallies in those days and, um, well, championship rallies and, uh, used to go to regional rallies, uh, European Championship rallies, um, in between. And you met a lot of people and they met you and they knew what you were doing and a lot of people just simply offered and said, is there anything I can do? I said, yes, please. How many starters on that event? <laughs> Who's your champion? And have you got a photograph of the winner and everything like that? So people were offering and um, it's uh, building up from there. I think it's, it's what's, what's quite funny is, is one of my co-hosts, Ryan Champion, who, who, who of course you're probably familiar with, Ryan and I were certainly talking mm -hmm. about your good self um, the other week and, and he, he claims that he only knows, he, he is encyclopedic about car registration numbers or rally car registration numbers especially and he, he believes that that comes from the annual well we were I think the first people really to follow that up I mean in those days a registration didn't necessarily uh, confirm an identity uh, in some countries it still doesn't um, now of course nowadays of course with group R cars they all have passports and uh, um, they each have a, uh, an identity number so the thing is developing from there but in the old days of course with the Mark 1 escorts and Mark 2 escorts uh, cars were reshelled and it was very difficult to know what represented a true identity of a car. But having said that, then comes the photographic aspect to it and having registration numbers available, <coughs> a registration number on most cars, not so much at the moment, but um, in those days, was the most visible sticker on the side of the car. And the one which, uh, with people tending to take head-on photographs as much as side photographs, um, if you had a registration number in your picture and you had a record of who was driving that car, you knew who immediately was driving the car in your picture. So it had more than just simply a record of... Uh, the history of the cars, I mean, I still get people who come back and say, I've got a Quattro, and I'm told it's an ex-works one, and uh, I'm told it's one that Hanu Mikula or Waldorf Earl was driving, is it true? And even now, to have those records from the 80s, it's very, very important. 
Of course, because you were involved with the the, the the Audi Sport World Rallying book as well. So, and I, I guess, uh, you know, Dave... Well, World Rallying, yeah, that, that, that was a series which then, of course, um, morphed into the Pirelli books. Yeah. It, now, it, David Sutton, who, who, of course, is... is, is is a legend uh, amongst rally fans. Obviously, you know, gave us the Rothmans escort, and then and then the 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 the, the, the Quattros as well. What was he like to work with? I've done some work with him many many years ago. What was he like to work with in his heyday? Well, I got to know David obviously when I was co-driving, and uh, on some occasions I actually co-drive for him, and and then of course um, we've been friends for a long long time, and. Uh, then different drivers came to his team and would I co-drive with him and things like that. Um, he was a, a person of uh, enormous character. Uh, I mean, obviously, his background, he was a Mansfield man. And, uh, you know, there are different sort of people in that part of the world. But he settled down to London, and it wasn't long before he was very, very friendly with people from lots of different parts of the world, of course, particularly in Finland. And, uh, well, I mean, he was the last person to run a private team that won a world championship. So, I mean, if you ask what he was all about, I mean, that is probably the greatest thing you can say about it. Absolutely. Now, you've just touched upon, obviously, before all these books and everything came about, you were a, a very, very successful co-driver in 1971. You were a national champion over here in the UK, and you, you sat with some some stars, really, didn't you? Well, I've been lucky. Um, uh, I didn't have many regular um, drivers. I mean, Chris Slater was probably the driver with whom I have had a longest association over the years. Um, but it's like uh, when you're a co-driver, people get to know you, and um, it's never long before vacancies arise. And, of course, in those days, people didn't tend to settled down for a season with a person things were uh, very much from event to event I mean going back to the days when I used to do the um, British rally the, the rally um, road rallying night rallying I mean people used to phone up all the time and uh, um, I could maybe done rallies with 10 different drivers in the course of a year I mean not so many as my friend Denis Giraudet has done over the years but I mean it was all part of the um, character of the sport Were you keeping records of, of what you were doing then as well was that kind of where the inspiration came from to, to continue that on have you still got records of everybody you sat with and results and things like that Not no um would have been perhaps a good idea if I did the I mean, EWRC um, results service um, has got quite a lot of my details but <laughs> not all of them by any means um, and of course nowadays um, this search for statistics and research and uh, facts has developed in the old days um, people never paid any attention to that sort of thing at all now, as I say, obviously the, you, you became a co-driver. Then you, know, you, were, you, you got into the photography side of, of rallying as well and obviously writing articles and things. Did it all kind of morph into one at one point or was the clear kind of forks in the road, you know, co-driving's done here, I'm now going to move into this? Or did it all kind of – was there overlaps throughout your career? Um, well – 
um, in the old days, like when we used to do the Motoring News Rally Championship events, um, you used to volunteer to write the report because it was a joyful way to get your name in print. Um, I don't say everybody did that, but I think most of the people, <laughs> most of the uh, rally reporters did, did it for that reason. Um, uh, so com- competing was... Uh, the first object um, writing was secondary to competing um, I mean obviously um, when we started to do a lot of rallies abroad um, it was really good for me to be able to um, make reports for magazines on those events not just for yourself but to, to spread the word of what other type of running was going on in the world Publications wise, I'm just, I was just trying. I was I was trying to get a definitive kind of list of publications you've contributed to. Again, is this something that you've kept a record of? Can you can you can you can you roll off the tongue the publications you've contributed to over the years? <laughs> well, no, most of them have gone bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> it's your high rates, Martin. It's your... never, you would never have heard of them. <laughs> it's your high rates. That's what no, it is. Cl- uh, clearly, I mean, Motoring News was, I think, the first people I did any work with, and. That was uh, must have been in the early seventies, and uh, um, no, before then, early sixties. <laughs> Sorry, wow. early sixties. Um, and uh, obviously, they used to have good reports of their championship rallies and comparable rallies, and um, and then of course we used to do a lot for autosport, which used to be very keen on rallying in those days unfortunately that hasn't uh, continued to these days but uh, um, and then I've been rally editor for Autocar, I've been rally editor for Motor in, this, in the, those days um, and I think it was on one famous occasion, I think it was a tour of course I reported for all four of the British weekly magazines um, but it was heavy going. I mean, often in those days, we used to do two rallies a weekend, a rally on a Friday night and then a rally on a Saturday night. And, of course, um, people wanted stories from both. And, obviously, they also wanted to have uh, photographs. And I used to be, well, still am, but uh, in those days, very close friends with Hugh Bishop. And we got together and really made sure that people had Bishop's pictures and my stories and it was teamwork which I think worked well for a number of years. Do you feel that the way rallies are now covered and, and things like that uh, and now the, it's, it's almost given that the, we know what the result is thus there's almost a, another story now that needs to be written as opposed to back then I suppose you know no internet and things like that people were literally waiting for those stories to come out to find out the results. They were. One of the interesting uh, people I used to work for was the Daily Express, and they used to have a service of um, results on the Monday morning. I remember uh, I used to do it for two or three years, I think, and I remember the first time I knew I had won a major rally in uh, this region in the south, the south of England was when I saw the Daily Express had said, uh, here are the results. First was, um, I think it was a guy called Blunt and myself. I thought, oh, that's interesting to know. <laughs> I mean, on that occasion, I hadn't been reporting on the event somebody else had done. And in those days, of course, you don't always know 
um, who won the rally when the rally came to an end. Um, sometimes it was a few days later before you got to know. Wow, and that, that see that you know even even for me that kind of blows my mind when you think about how quickly now we know who's won a rally. You know, there's people literally still competing on the rally when when you know when rally winners are crowned these days. So so to, to have that concept to, to to be loading the car on the trailer and going home and you know getting you get, getting some sleep and getting up and going to work the following day and still not to know that you've won a rally, I find mind blowing. No, I mean it happened that way. I mean, you say it's uh, putting the car in the trailer. It was not necessary. Well, we didn't have trailers in those days. Um, but uh, it wasn't uh, going to work. It was going to the rally the next night. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, it was it was great days. I mean, I remember one weekend there was um, uh, I did a long rally in Northern Ireland, and then the Saturday uh, then the Saturday night. Uh, uh, straight afterwards, I did another rally in the home counties, and then um, I remember on one famous occasion, uh, we had a motoring news championship rally called the Isle of Wight Rally in the south, and uh, I had uh, I was leading the rally with, or uh, obviously I was the co-driver, um, with about uh, three stages to go, and we had a huge crash, and I had to go to hospital and everything like that. And then we had a rally that weekend in that following night in Kent, and um, we won that. So um, <laughs> I was so disappointed. I would have really liked to have won two rallies on consecutive days. But then, on the other hand, I did have the special factor of having been to hospital in the meantime. I was just about to, how, how, did that, how did that conversation go with the doctor when you're discharging yourself to go and do another rally, bearing in mind the reason why you were there? Uh, this was in a hospital in Newport in the Isle of Wight, and uh, <laughs> I don't remember very much about it. <laughs> I do remember somebody coming, bursting into what the, I suppose could have been called the A&D department of the hospital, and Get rid of that person. The rugby players will be coming in soon. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's putting rallying in its place, isn't it? Absolutely. Now, out of all the, you know, again, with the little bit of research and a few bits and pieces I've read as well, I was looking at some of the cars you've sat in. Now, obviously, you mentioned um, David Sutton's cars before, obviously, the, the, the Mark 1, Mark 2 Escorts and stuff, but uh, Rang Young Yachty in the Renault 5 um, Turbo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the last rally I ever did, actually. Yeah. What, what a way to go. Um, what a way to go out. Oh, yes. I mean, we got on very well. I um, didn't actually speak very much with him because uh, my French was uh, no better than his English. But um, uh, but we had a good time. He did come up with some funny things in the middle of the rally. I remember uh, we spun off in Yorkshire somewhere into a crowd of people who fortunately also dissolved as we approached sideways. And, uh, and we stalled the engine in front of a large sign which had been obliterated and it says doctor <laughs> and uh, he turned around and he said check the regulations what is penalty for killing a doctor <laughs> I thought hmm, he's got a sense of humour which I think is rather good <laughs> They was no, he was great fun. They were such beasts as well, weren't they? You know, the kind of the mid-engined, you know, rear drive. You know, they were such such beasts to get hold of. And and you know, the RAC in those days was was over so many different services and so many different counties and everything else. How do you go about 
spending your time in a very hot rally car because I always think of mid-engine as being quite hot cars and not having you know a common language to speak I did uh, a rally with uh, the uh, Hanky rally in Finland once with um, Kirsty Hamalainen and uh, our common languages were down to zero in that case and uh, oh that was quite good fun um we came forth in the end, but uh, we'd been leading until halfway. You know, it was a two uh, a rally over two nights. And, um, of course, in the daytime, between the first day and the second day, it started to snow. And so well, we therefore started the second day, first car on the road. And, uh, of course, the snow meant that we had the, the worst of the conditions. But um, it was interesting. <laughs> Things happen which you never notice when you spend all the time actually talking to somebody, you're looking around at other things which are going on. Of course. I remember once um, um, we was, I had what I thought was a heart attack. Um, it was the fact that um, it was, of course, secret rallying in those days. And uh, um, we looked, I looked up, I opened my eyes, and there was a snowbank right in front of us. And four brilliant lights shining in the snow now when you see lights which are circular on the ground it means you are in the middle of a huge accident it means you're airborne pointing down to the ground and at that moment I was just (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't that at all it was a car just skidding past the snowbank (laughs) but it was a very interesting thing in those days that rally used some special stages taken from um, the Thousand Lakes. And um, I knew exactly when we came to one of these Thousand Lakes roads because suddenly his driving styles changed altogether. Even though it's a snow rally and the Thousand Lakes, of course, is a summer rally, um, you could tell exactly, he knew exactly what that road was, even though it's a completely secret route. Things like that, you notice, which, uh, you know, if you're having a normal relationship with a driver, you would probably never have noticed at all. Absolutely. Now, really interesting. going through, uh, you know, the, as I say, the, the, the list of cars is probably, um, I got it down to Mark 1, Mark 2 Escorts. I think uh, Alancia Stratus was in there. Obviously, we've just been talking about the, the, the Renault 5 Turbo. Have I missed anything out of, of any notable interest? Am I, am I doing you justice just naming those cars? Did a lot of rallies with the Dats and Zeds. Uh, had a lot of accidents in them. Um, I don't know, really. <clears throat> I don't know whether you count a Clan Crusader as an interesting a car. A Clan Crusader? A different car. Come on, tell us about that one. Yeah. A Clan Crusader. Go on, this is a new one on me. Well, it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, it was a, a special-bodied imp uh, made by a company up in Washington and County Durham. And um, we did... Uh, a guy bought his car, and that was the driver, Alan Connolly, who came from uh, Hexham. And uh, he wanted to... He was, I knew him through Motoring News Rollers. He used to have, I think, Avengers, I think, in those days. He said, I've got this clown. Can we go running together? And I said, yeah, make something different. And um, oh, it was really good fun in those days with... Uh, um, it was very low on the ground. I mean, I don't know how 
how it would compare with cars now. Darian, I suppose. Janetta as well. I think some of the smaller Janettas, perhaps. I've just, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've just pulled it up as I'm speaking to you now. And, uh, I don't know, you know, there's only 315 of those cars actually produced at that point. So I hope you didn't destroy too many of them. I can. Yeah. I don't think we had an accident at all. Um, I mean, the, the, the thing that I do remember in those days was, um, especially at the starts of rally, it was very revealing because he was sitting so down, low down, and uh, he'd line up from the start. He used to have lots of spectators, young people out uh, for the night watching the cars going off the start. And I mean, it was uh, just at the age where uh, people, the girls were wearing miniskirts. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful what you could see from a clan crusader seat. <laughs> of all the things to remember, Martin, I no, saw I mean, it. No, it was interesting with the um, the um, uh, clan because they had high-powered imp engines. And, I mean, if you've been all night at 10,000 revs, it's special. <laughs> I remember I never had a, a chance to rally with Colin Malkin, but I did rally with the late Rodney Badham on several rallies. And um, I remember what fun it was in his um, um, car. Um, just the whole thought of the, 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 the huge revs. I mean, since we had the um, kit cars in the, what was it, late 90s in the World Championship, we've never had cars doing 10,000 revs before. Yeah. Uh, that's a, I, I, I have a very uh, my, out of the F2 era in the Super 1600s. Um, I have got a massive passion for for that reason. For that reason, Super 2000s nearly did it for me. I must admit, but no, the F2 cars was something special. I must admit. I must admit. But um, just coming back full circle, you, you obviously you, speaking about your, your, your co-driving skills and stuff. Now, the, the co-driving book um, that you were involved with, I've actually got both versions of it. I got the updated version, and I had the original version from when I first started rallying. Um, and it's quite funny, because when I got the original copy, uh, is when I was first starting out in rallying. And now there's quite a lot of the people in the book. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure my age. I'm sure my age. But there's quite a few people in there yeah. now that I know. It's quite, it's quite, it's quite funny, really. Um, and uh, your book did come in very, very handy. I, 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 I entered my partner uh, into a rally, her very first rally as a co-driver, uh, a little over a month ago now, and uh, yeah. we used your book as a as a point of reference. Uh, and somebody bought the newer edition as a gift. It was quite funny. I said, well, it's exactly the same book, but we've got both versions now anyway. Um, how did the... Insp- but it's interesting how things... Have- yeah, hmm? yeah. How- I mean, just, where, did, where, did, where did the need, I suppose, well, it was obvious where the need was because people needed to know, you know, how to start because that's what it kind of gave people. But where did the inspiration come from for you? Did somebody come to you and say, we think you need to, you know, you, you can put a string a few words together. We think you should possibly give people, you know, a, a guide to get started, or was it just something you did off your own back? I did it off my own back, and then um, started writing the book. And uh, well, now what you did in the old days is uh, go to publishers with a synopsis of what you were planning to write, how you were going to write it, what your attitude was, what you were going to do about pictures, what the market was, and everything like that. And um, one of the famous um, uh, motorsport publishers in those days said, yeah, let's have a go. And we did it. And um, it gave me 
income from several months, so that was useful. <laughs> um, but uh, it was interesting, because how things are absolutely different now. But not everything is different. Attitudes about wanting to win and using ideas, just thinking about how to get the better of your rivals and things like that, that's still there. And um, it's interesting that... Uh, there's still some truths in the yeah, book. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's interesting you mention that because, uh, with regards to, I, I use the term gamesmanship a little bit, uh, I guess, uh, what, what you've just described there. And, and one thing that is, is, is kind of lost is, um, Perhaps in the older days, gamesmanship wasn't there, and it was all high, you know, high japes and, fr- and friendly rivalry and stuff like that. But uh, every time I speak to somebody, and, and you know, you, you speak about the motoring news days, I, I, you know, I remember people like Ian Harwood, who was local to us, and speaking to Ian about things that went on back in the day. Um, you know, it was just, I think the, the, there was rivalries, and there was the level of competition, and people wanted to beat one another just as greatly, if not more. Right, so you know Ian Harwood. That's a, I hope he hasn't been talking too many stories. I haven't spoken to him for a long time, but he did <laughs> um, introduce me to the sport. So oh no, yeah, no, that's he. He was one of my favourite drivers. Yeah. Anyway, um, the things that were it wasn't just gamesmanship. It was just thinking about things that you could do to get an advantage. I mean, nowadays, people are good at it. Um, you know, you just look at the drivers. Why does the driver uh, go mad about um, on that stage compared with other people? And it's because they worked out which was the part of the rally um, in order to concentrate on to get, get the best result. Um, then when it comes to the maps, uh, in the old days, when we started uh, road rallying, uh, the maps didn't tell you everything you needed to know. You had to go and look and spend afternoons driving around and around, checking whether you could drive through a particular track and everything like that. Uh, and it was working out what it is that would be useful when it came to the rally. That is the type of thing. If 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 I can ask you, uh, there's so many questions I could ask you, but I'm just conscious of time as well. But out of all, the, out of all, before before we come to to, to present day, um, and maybe it, it may be applied to, to to present day as well. You know, you, all the events that you've covered and all the things that you've been involved with. What's kind of the strangest story, perhaps you've you, you've witnessed or, or or heard from the WRC? In, you know, over the years, you know that you've been in it from pretty much or involved with it from pretty much, you know, year one. Tough to think about <laughs> that one. Um, I mean, clearly, uh, no, I can't give a reason. No, okay. off the cuff about that. Um, if you'd like to phone up this time, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe it comes. I've got, a, I've got a funny yeah. feeling, Martin, you will be back on this program at some point. So we'll, 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 perhaps we'll come back to that one. But um, I suppose if we come up to, 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 to modern day, and I feel like we're not kind of doing you justice here, which is why I think we will, we will do something again, certainly. You're still involved. You're still writing about rallies. Are you still uh, attending lots of rallies? Not as many as I'd like. For personal reasons, it's very difficult for me to be away at nights these days. But, I mean, I've been to, I've attended um, half of the World Championship rallies this year and followed them closely all the time. I mean, I've got 
writing outlets in 10 different countries on a regular basis. And obviously, most of those want reports from events, which nowadays you can do uh, to uh, an effective extent from home. Um, you've got all the results monitor services available to you. You've got Rally Radio, which uh, is is a very, very useful thing. You, on the radio, you hear each driver uh, 10 times during an event. If you go to an event, you're lucky if you speak to it, the same driver four times or something like that. So really, it's a different thing. But if you don't go to the rally at some stage, like on the Wednesday beforehand, and meet everybody, um, they've forgotten you, you've forgotten them, and you've just lost touch in the sport. People, when you walk around the paddock on the service park on the Wednesday or the Thursday before event, it, you meet people you didn't expect to meet. And when you meet somebody you didn't expect you come away with a story and you come away with understanding things you didn't do before so actually attending events in one way or another is uh, is essential really essential this is absolute rally i hope you enjoyed it i think um it was as i say it was probably a good place to press press kind of stop there before we started getting into just just general stuff chick chat it's all there by the way um if you want to go back and find um the bits and pieces with martin in um they were always really really interesting as i say and um yeah it's, it's in our back catalogue you can go in via podbean via itunes um via our website of course um and all the old episodes are there we do keep them all there for you and i know people are still kind of finding us now which is fantastic um and there is some you know, some great pieces from, from way back when, obviously I always talk about this. There's always going to be new stuff in there because it's what the podcast has kind of always been about, but equally there's always stuff that kind of stands the test of time, I guess. Uh, and it's not timelined and can be listened to, I suppose at any point. Um, uh, so yeah, search it out, just put it into, put it into Google, uh, or ask Jeeves, is that still going? I'm not entirely sure. But anyway, yeah, go into any search engine and then just put Absolute Rally and put Martin Holmes in and uh, you'll find a number of episodes that Martin was in and um, he never pulled any punctures. He never pulled any punctures. And um, yeah, just, just great, great fun. I'm always had you on your toes. Always had you on your toes. And uh, as I said at the top, I, I will really, really miss him. Folks, um, we really appreciate the download. We know there's lots of things going on at the moment. Um, there's lots of podcasts out there. Um, seems to have, it, it seems to be like gremlins at the moment, just add water and they multiply. So we do appreciate the download. If I can signpost you to my esteemed colleague, Trevor Agnews, um, I think it's possibly one of the, the best concepts I think I've heard um, for a podcast across any genre um since since i started listening to podcasts which is 10 years ago i was making that that's when i first started making them and started listening to them um but the concept that trev's trying to do and it you know it will be moving away from, from rally people specifically um over the next few episodes i do know that but some of the rally ones have been great i've been fortunate enough to be on some of the live q and a's he's done afterwards which uh which which is great just a great concept and uh, he's really embraced it and he's done so well with it so if i can signpost you to to trev uh this last one he's done with with uh, neil weirden he did one with martin Rowe the other week which i was on as well um and uh yeah so 
check that out and um you know we all we all trying to support one another so welcome to the welcome to the jungle to the new rally podcast out there <laughs> it's great to have you along for the journey it's uh as i say welcome to the jungle welcome to the journey it's uh it's been a long 10 years for me so um so yeah i hope you're still around in 10 years let's put it that way i really do honestly so anyway folks um we will be back same time same place in your little podcast hole next week absolute rally powered by the keel the works team spread the word and download the podcast every week